Well, folks, you're very welcome along this uh, Monday evening to the <laughs> ETM show. Delighted as always to have Harvey and Mr. Kelly with us, a permanent fixture that they are. And our special guest tonight is a man who uh, really, really, week in, week out, he has uh, lots to talk about, lots to write about. And he certainly fills the column inches and pages of the Daily Post, GA correspondent for the Daily Post, of course, Mal McMullen. Michael, or Mal, whichever it is, great to have you with us. And we're delighted that. Uh, both yourself and ourselves are sharing the same platform this afternoon or this evening and worrying about next year's championship. Exactly. We're, we're both in the same boat. And uh, Derry's in the championship longer this year, lads. Well, I was going to say, it's been a long time since... Well, put it out there. <laughs> well, listen, look, enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. But just when you mentioned Derry in the championship, uh, joking aside, Mal, how would you sum up yesterday's performance? Because particularly in the, in the, the good start they made to the uh, the second half, it looked like they could well close the gap. Um, yesterday's game came down to a few things. The first four RMAS scores were under no pressure. Um, Derry was sort of caught between sitting back and pushing out, and they didn't either. And those four scores were just not what needed to happen and Armagh just had a free run at it and six points is quite a lot but you know two quick scores at the start of the second half and it was game on but when Jamie Clark got black carded it couldn't have happened at a worse time because it was just before the water break and Armagh were able to regroup and take as much sting as they possibly could out of those 10 minutes but at the same time Derry missed four chances inside that stage whenever there was, it was down to two points. And out of Blaine Hughes' kickouts, I think there might have been four or five. The only one won one of them. And in that state, that spell, you know, it wasn't enough. But at the same time, whenever there was a few minutes left, there's only a point in it. So for all Derry's sort of shortcomings in those key moments, they were still in the game. Yeah. Well, are those, are those, um, I don't know how you best describe them, Mark. Is that down to experience, do you think? Or is that down to. Well, I think the early, the early sort of concession of the scores, it just didn't seem to have the matchups totally right. Padre Casti was on Rory Grugan. And between him and sweeper Carlos McWilliams, I don't think they really knew. You know, they're sort of leaving with each other. And, you know, we got away. He got too much space. And, you know, a lot of people are saying Rory Gallagher's negative and all this. But, see, to be honest, he wasn't really. He just seemed to change the way Derry had played. But they kicked a lot more ball than they had been doing. And in the early stages, it came back down the pitch. And they were just far too loose. and. If they had a broke even in those first, I suppose, 10 or 15 minutes, they would be well in the game. Yeah. Well, listen, you may... Derry won the toss and elected to play against it because they wanted the breeze for the second half. So, um, you know, they needed to keep it a lot tighter if that's the way they're going to go about it. Yeah. You mentioned something there, and Kevin, uh, Kevin, uh, I'm just here because we, we, we talked about yesterday. This water break, whatever it is about the water break, Kevin, the influence <coughs> outcome of a game and in some cases 
the momentum changer. It's more of a momentum changer sometimes than a goal is. Oh, that's right, Noel. I've said a few times in the programme over this last number of weeks and just I wouldn't be a big fan of it. Um, and teams can have the momentum and, and that wee bit of a break and it's very difficult to pick up again. It certainly it certainly happened to Rome yesterday. 5-1 five, five, up at the water break and uh, those things go on according to plan. Very, you know, even probably a better start than we would have expected against the wind and playing very well, keeping the ball well and and all of a sudden, the water break comes along, and Donegal got a got a chance to to reset, so to speak. And um, Langan hit a point, and then they caught us caught us with the, with the goal. And I suppose it was definitely momentum ch- changer in the first half because I think Tyrone had, had played the better football in the first half, but still found themselves two points of difference break. Yeah, man, you 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 watched the game on television. Um, in terms of that that goal, I mean. How, how could we be so badly caught out so far up the field, playing into a very, very stiff breeze? Now, I'd be interested to hear Miles' comments on this because most, time, most times Mickey Hart's teams and Trone teams are criticised for their uh, intent or where they tend to sit back and, and, and absorb pressure. But yesterday, they really, even against a very, very stiff breeze, they were pushing up <laughs> very far up the field, but they were caught out badly with that goal in terms of position. Yeah, I think of two things, Noel, about the goal in particular. Um, the first thing probably was Tyrone switched off uh, a wee bit after um, the, the previous play. And I think the, the thought maybe Donegal might go short with a kicker. They've been short with a lot of kickers prior to that. I um, maybe thought the ball's going to work out short again. But the second thing about it was was the absolute superb kick out that it was from Patton. He, it was a it was a, a dynamite pass like it was a fantastic ball that he played in um to the wing half back and you know uh, the finish i thought the finish was top top notch as well like he's a big fella and he he, he hammered it into the roof <laughs> and Kyle morgan absolutely no chance so i think i think the fact you know there were two there was two there was really two things to you know that and I would be thinking, you know, Mickey Hart would be one thing that just be, when you're looking back on the game, you'd definitely regret that because, you know, he talks about tuning in and keeping the radar high and so on. And Throne just did, did, didn't didn't operate on their full capacity at that stage. And um, it, it was a it was a it was a game changing moment. And when it came, you could just see the doubt start to appear in the Throne players straight after it. Um, because up to that point, first twenty minutes, like I'd, I, I watched the game back. Actually, I, I saw that I am. I, I sat and watched it again after it was over. Um, that was after the dairy game. Well, I, I watched the dairy game first just to make sure that we bit. I know. Sorry, just to just to see how it go. And uh, um, like I counted in the first half, thrown. Uh, I think they had yeah. They had, in the first <laughs> half, they had um, nineteen attacks in the first half. The twelve of those came in the first twenty minutes. And scored off five times, so you know that's a almost a fifty percent return in the first twenty minutes of the game, and the last fifteen minutes of the game, they had seven attacks and one score. So it just shows you how well Donegal got on top at that stage in the game. And you know, say what you want about the water break, the water break was a was a momentum changer as well, and it was a double blow for Throne because the goal came seconds after. Yeah, no, no question with that. Well, just could take you back there. I mean, I don't know. Did you see the Tron game yesterday? 
I watched the first half before I went to Celtic Park, and then I saw a few of the highlights. But um, when you when you talk about Sean Patton's kick out, it was amazing. But even the fact before that he fluffed one, I think for Tyrone's first score, maybe Tyrone got sort of sucked in that we've got this man cracked. But it was an amazing character that he was able to ping one right over the top and and do what he did. But it just shows you how important it is. Um, if I even reference the Derry game here, Four um, Lynch had 91% accuracy on his kickouts. Blaine Hughes at 70, I think. But Four Lynch's kickouts were all short, and Derry had to start carrying the ball through midfield, which they couldn't really do. It's such a it's such a a weapon to have. Like Blaine Hughes kicked one right over midfield to Jamie Clark one time, a wee bit like Patton did. Um, and Derry didn't have that. And, you know, you touched on it there, um, Damien, the fact that Donegal have that. And Troon really should have been ready for it, to be honest. You always need to have one man sitting back to prepare for that. And I noticed your interview with, um, was it Frank Burns, Kevin, where he, he said the goal was the, was the big changer in the game. and. I don't know, the goalkeeper is the most important man on the pitch at the minute because they can dictate so, so much. But you're right about that. First half. Yeah, you're right about that about Frank Bourne. Because, I mean, actually, Frank came very, very close to intercepting that. He was, he, the arm up, it, wasn't, it didn't miss him by much. But, Kevin, mm. I mean, that goal came at such a crucial time, but it was a huge momentum changer. And when you look at the entire, how the game developed, <laughs> That goal did basically, whether we like it or not, it was it was a deciding score in the game. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, Noel. I think I think Tyrone had made the start, and you know they were they sat their stall out and got four points up into the wind, as as we talked about there, and, and the goal. Um, you know, the wind was probably probably worth four or five points, and you know even at half time, um, going in Tyrone only two points down. Right, it was disappointing because they had. Been well on top, but you no. Know, I'm sure Donegal looked at things uh, having had the wind only two point lead, and one of, one of their last point of the half was a was a was a score. Tyrone should have <clears throat> should never allowed to happen. It was a free just outside the forty five, and and Joe McQuillan brought it in, so made it a lot easier. Uh, you know, you're on a bit momentum changes. Tyrone Tyrone got a gift of a second go- a goal in the seven minutes into the second half. Derek Canavan took it extremely well, but. You know, we all a bit momentum changers. That that was enough to stuff out to manage a team. That the, that put Tyrone two up, and I think that the, the, the next chance I think with Tyrone McCann to go three up and, and fail to take it. And you know, Donegal um, four points in a row into the, the wind. To me, that was the the, the big moments in the game. Um, to, to not only score to score four times against the the elements, and. Uh, while Tyrone, Tyrone come back to draw level again, again look, the, the the key moments in the game was was fail, failing to take our, take scores when they present themselves, and um, and again another uh, there was two points. It, it had a good game for by that, but one time very uncharacteristic of, of, of Niall Morgan to he kicked the ball a hurried clearance and it, it came straight up the field for a point, and and Thompson got an all free which had been brought in. 
But uh, you're on about kickouts. Like Niall Morgan had to kick out was probably longer than Potton's. Um, fair enough to bounce the ball, but it, it put Mark Bradley through one on one with Michael Murphy, and uh, he took a good point. But again, um, if maybe if Throne had somebody off the shoulder, um, there was a goal on. But again, very energy zapping um, conditions. But look, the goal in the first half did did um, undo Tyrone's good start to the game. But having said that, that the um, ample opportunities to to try and put Donegal away and and um, fail to take them. Now we'll look at we'll maybe, maybe discuss those bits. <laughs> but just take you back to to the the uh, Michael Murphy Mark Bradley one. Damien, you know, when you look at it and see, I'm just, I'm just thinking uh, the demographic extent. Mark Bradley, only back, he's, he's missed a bit of training, he's missed a few games, he hasn't played since uh, the league final. Um, when he picked up that ball, Murphy was some distance off him, but I mean, if you were thinking of a foot race, there was no comparison. I mean, Bradley should have beaten him, and he had that feeling when he picked it up. If he'd actually made an angle run at the goals, Murphy was coming across him. Murphy was on a yellow card. He couldn't afford to foul him, because if he did, it was good night, Irene. And a, a fitter, sharper, maybe they made a more focused Mark Bradley, would have taken that opportunity and did what Guy Callaghan did and, and just walk around the keeper and stick in the net. Every possibility, you know. Well, I think you know a player coming in like Mark Bradley. I have to say, the first first touch he got, he put it over the bar. It was a classy point for, out on the left wing. Um, and the next, I suppose, you're right. Probably a sharper Mark Bradley would have set fancied his chances. Thought you know it wouldn't have been a like he's as brave as they come. Mark Bradley, it wouldn't have been an issue in terms of oh, there's Michael Murphy. I need to worry worry about you know. I just think it probably sharper mind and sharper body. He made it. You're right. He made it taking that on. But granted, the, the underfoot conditions weren't great. You know, it was getting there, covering that space in that time on that field, and uh, he maybe things weighed things up and thought, you know, momentum, keep the momentum going, tap this and over the bar, keep the keep the foot on the gas here. <laughs> but, you know, you talk about players and being in positions, and you know, in fairness. Um, Murphy was where he needed to be at that stage. You know, he, he got himself into the defence, and he he was the, you know, he was the last gasp defender at that stage. Previous to that, or I think it, it, definitely in the second half, anyway, Jamie Brennan come up the field, and the man that we had marking Jamie Brennan was Derek Canavan, the Canavan tree, Derek Canavan at that stage, and you just think, wrong player in the wrong place. You know, why was why was Derek Canavan in a position where he was tracking back and being the last defender up against? Uh, uh, up against um, Jimmy Brennan? Well, I have to say, my, my answer to that would be quite simply, and you mentioned it, Mal, I'll be interested to hear your view on this. First of all, conditions and circumstances are, are, are the two things. One, conditions were horrendous when players pushed forward uh, and got caught out. It, uh, then the circumstances are that it was great to see the likes of Derek Hanlon be prepared to put the, 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 the hard yards in because that pitch really did cut up badly yesterday. I thought it was horrendous. Uh, it was in horrendous condition. We walked across it at the end. Really, really bad, bad situation. But I mean, to see Calvin prepared mm. to put the back, back and mark and tackle and hassle, that's part and parcel of the morning game, Damien. I know when you when you haven't got possession, everybody's a, a defender. And it seems to be when you have possession, then everybody's an attacker. Mal, would you like to see your corner forward chasing back, tracking and closing? Or would you prefer that he just hangs about the edge of the square and hopes to feed off uh, the, the likes of uh, young McGuigan? You nearly always have to have two people up, in my, in my view. Because you have to have a focus. Um, because if you bring too many people back, you end up nobody really knows what's happening. You know, you need to have your two people right up so that you've something to hit right away. But you talked about conditions. Celtic Park was in perfect condition. 
Raz followed the fade, just looked like a, you know, it just looked like a bog as such. And I noticed the same for both teams, but it was so heavy. And it's definitely not a day for tracking, tracking back. Um, an interesting one, was it a, was it a big surprise Hampsey didn't start? And, you know, would he not have been suited to that sort of Donegal team playing against them? I thought it was a call of not starting unless he wasn't fit. And the other one was a wee bit strange with McCurry went off unless he was hurt. I thought those were two big factors in the, in the game. Kevin, yeah, well, your view on that? Uh, I think I Potty, think two weeks ago in, in Valley Buffet, he was in the middle of the field and um, he, he maybe had the guy in a knock on that and, and probably play, maybe played midfield just to maybe get a, a bit of game time in the legs. Um, obviously, he wasn't fully fit or he would have started because like fully fit Potty Hamsey is he's one of the top defenders in the country, never mind the county. Um, again, about Darren McCurry, it, it was. Uh, Darren was going really, really well. He'd hit three points in the first half, two from play, and and uh, was going well. I, I thought it was a surprise that he was taken off. I thought that um, um, right, for, just before he'd been taken off, he tried to play a ball out from the corner and was intercepted by a Donegal defender. but. I thought he was showing well for the ball and, and um, was well in the game, like I say, with three points. Um, but again, look, we don't know if there's niggly injuries, so we didn't ask that question afterwards. Um, but I just I just felt that, um, and I've said that coming home, that in the past there, the few times that we were lost in the Ulster Championship up in Valley Buffet, I don't think there was any real days you could have had any complaints. But I just felt yesterday now it was a game that Tyrone Throne will definitely feed the left behind them. Um, as Mal says there, it wasn't, a, it wasn't conditions weren't ideal, but they were the same for both teams. And it was a game that just had to be dug out. And I think, <clears throat> you know, we talked about coming up the road, Noel, about the, the three players that had scored, done the scoring threat the last time the two teams had met two weeks ago. Murphy, Murphy at six, um, Jamie Branma won three and, and Ryan McHugh with, with three points. That's 112. And, you know, Somebody had told you before the match that those three players would only accumulate two points. You definitely would have took it. And then, you know, um, Morphy, I don't know when the last time, if ever, he was held scoreless in a championship match in senior football. And, you know, at the other end of the field, the tailsman defence, um, Neil McGee not being able to participate in the second half. And you just felt, you know, all them things went our way. But still in all, we didn't get the result. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the puzzling thing, I suppose. It showed too another um, thing to Donegal's bow, no Paddy McGrady as well, but the fact that the two wing forwards, Kieran Thompson had seven and, and Michael Langan won two, won nine from those two players. Um, five of Thompson's points for freeze, but you still had to convert them. So, you know, you thought when you when you blunted the three people that you you had to blunt, I suppose, you know, Donegal too had went out to do a job on, on Connor McKenna, the way Tyrone were able to mark Michael Murphy out of it. So probably the two or three names that everybody was on everybody's lips before the match uh, wouldn't have had the best of games. But um, as I say, two players that maybe, from a Tyrone point of view, maybe come in on the radar, if that's the right way to say it. But um, they're, they're the two that done the damage, one nine. But again, I go back to, you know, because like every game, you, when the chances come your way, you have to take them. We, we Tyrone missed chances when they were on top. And when they got back level, Noel, I think it was at 
was it one seven apiece or something like that, thrown at two or three attacks in a row. Chances to go one and two points up and again in, in awful conditions. And with the wind at their backs, it was going to put pressure on Donegal if they had got their noses in front again. But look, you have to give credit to Donegal. The, uh, they got the free, which was which was taken forward. And then the one at the end, they kept possession for two or three minutes. And um, Yaman had a, had a great score from out in the left wing. And that meant that Tarot needed a goal. And again, you know, how close did Conor McKenna come from stop for from stopping that ball into the net? And again, Stephen McManaman one time got a got a good tackle in as well. So it's all this buts and maybes now. It's the cut cut and thrust of, of knockout championship football and Donegal or 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 through the semi final and well on the way to win the angle south for the the first time they've ever won three in a row. Yeah, Mal mentioned something earlier and I guess, you know it's one of these things I think that needs to be looked at. Um, I thought as a spectacle yesterday, it was it was horrible, you know. As a and I'm talking from a totally presentational sort of, you turn on the TV and you <laughs> sit down and watch a match. Like the cameramen were destroyed in the first ten, five ten minutes of the match. You couldn't see, you know, they, they were wiping. They were had a white cameras constantly. As a spectacle, it just looked awful. And like this is, you know, this is. This is the elite level of our games. The pitch was a mess. Um, you're right. See, watching the watching watching Derry and Armagh from a just from a purely presentational level look like turning on to watch the Premiership in England in terms of the the layout of the field, the way the thing was set out in terms of the cameras, all that. It just looked look like a, this is a totally different sport here. Um, so I think you need a really do you need to look at this here? We're in playing in the, the depths of winter. We're sending the two teams out onto a, on a on a poor pitch, poor facilities, and a really poor presentation in terms of way it was set up. Um, uh, and I think you know this. We're talking the elite level here. And if given the choice to sit down and watch two games, purely from just coming in to, to look at those two games, you'd have been watching Armand area all day because you'd have seen where the you know you can see where the ball is. You can see where the ball is on the field. You can see the players on the field. And obviously they were much better set up, but. I just thought from a from a spectacle yesterday that, that it's not good enough. It really isn't good enough. The GA need to really think about how they present their games because I thought Bally Buffet was a mess. Well, one one, one thing, Mal, uh, I, I just like to come in on this. One thing that surprised me, and I'm it'll be interested to hear what Kevin said with this, was that 55 minutes before the match, Donegal and Tyrone warmed up on that surface. And Donegal in particular did all sorts of weed drills. And I can tell you, I'm uh, just thinking, Donald McGee looks after Killeclower pitch. <laughs> Any club, team or county team, male, female, Harlan, Camogie, it wouldn't matter, took uh, markers on and ran ran the sort of county team was running. Donald <laughs> was back with rage. He just would have them off the field at all time. And that man, I think, had a, made a bad situation much, much worse. That should never happen. You know, when you have a pitch that's in, you know, we can do nothing about the weather, but like there's a pitch out at the side in Bally Buffet and we've all warmed up on it before. You know, that should have been where it was done. Save the pitch as much as you possibly can. You know, and, and I do agree with you, Damien. It was very difficult to watch that game. You know, uh, even picking out the players. Um, whatever, there's maybe like a better media area with Celtic Park where it was, the camera was shielded a wee bit more, but it was definitely it was definitely easier to watch, um, you know, whenever you're, you're looking back at it. But but just finally, Kevin, on that uh, on the train game, 
it was very similar to Derry's in the fact that there was the turning points. You know, in the Derry game, there's a few three areas where Derry sort of lost the game. But the most disappointing fact for me, and I'm sure you are the same, when the game was there at the end, you know, it could have been won. You know, but that's the frustrating thing about it. And Stephen McManaman, he looked to touch the ball on the ground. Like, it was enough call. Um, you might say it was harsh and all those things, but the umpire's there to see it. And, you know, that's the small margins that you're coming down to. And, um, and, and from the dairy point of view, we would just be frustrated that we just couldn't, couldn't win that last kick out. So both games are very, very similar. But, uh, you know, if I was a throne man, I'd be, I would be disappointed on, in that penalty call, to be fair about it. Well, Edward, I was going to ask you about that because uh, down here, penalty as well as kickouts, but we're going to let you discuss the kickouts. Damien, again, you were watching on television at home. Mal mentioned the umpires, but umpires' jobs is not to call penalties. Am I right in saying that? No, I think the, the umpires are only there to consult if the referee deems it necessary to to ask them for an opinion on a on a penalty decision. But uh, as far as I, as far as yeah, the, the the umpires aren't there to call penalties. No, they certainly aren't. Yeah, well, my view had been had, had Joe McQuillan awarded that penalty, uh, he then would have brought the ball back thirty yards and asked us to help from them. But that was just <laughs> Joe. No, you were you were. Let's be honest, you were never going to get a penalty yesterday from Joe McQuillan. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, I, have say, I have to say, Sean Hurston was excellent in the day game. Um, but, you know, but, um, the only call, the only call I thought he got wrong was uh, Niall Lockett <coughs> to Patrick Kearney one time, and it was a he was sort of half pushed in the back, and he didn't get the free. But then there was a sort of a half technical foul after it, which he blew. But apart from that, I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, and, and maybe Niall Lachlan should have took the free himself and scored it. But, you know, referees get a lot of stick. You know, as media people, we point out when they make mistakes. Credit where credit's due. You thought he did a good job. Yeah, good referee, no doubt about it. Listen, Callum, tell me, if you were looking yesterday again, looking at your own team and you're writing a school report, as I used to do, in terms of positives, in terms of wins and losses, or, or losses, uh, positions, in terms of the positives, what, what, what do you say with the positives coming out of yesterday for Tyrone? I think Tyrone would then look uh, like it's no no secret when the championship draw was made that, you know, back in Bally Buffet again, we never seemed to get out, out hot first in, in them circumstances, but it was always going to be a tough ask. Like, you know, we, we were there two weeks ago and it was only shallow boxing. Um, we're seeing a much improved performance down in, in Castle Bar, but Look, going forward, Tyrone, Tyrone have a um, a very nice blend there, young players and, and um, you know, middle-aged, shall we say. There's nobody really, from that Tyrone point of view or from yesterday, you, you wouldn't say there's anybody in that Tyrone uh, squad or at the, at the wrong side of the age scale. That, that, you know, that there's a few years to go there. That team, um, you know, Conor McKenna coming in there has been a bit massive, massive plus. Uh, we all know about Darry Canavan coming along too. Of course, he's you know going to play a major part for Tyrone going forward. Um, though Callum McShane was was obviously a big blow. Uh, Potty not being fully fit um, was not a big blow. But you know going forward, I think uh, there's a lot there to work on as far as Tyrone Tyrone are concerned. Um, I thought Brian Candy got through a, a massive shift there yesterday as well. Michael O'Neill, you know, that's the three games that he's played from, from football's come back, and I've been impressed with him. 
Um, you know, Tyrone, Tyrone have a lot going for them, I think, um, over the next next few years um, in terms of their squad. No doubt that they'll add to, add to the, the, the new players will come in and whatever. Um, but as I say, it just goes back to, you know, what what, what it would have meant to, to have got over the line yesterday. Um, again, it, it's, um, you know, I, I think both teams deserve a lot of credit for, for playing in the conditions that they did. I know there was going to be mistakes, but that all adds to the, the, the cut and thrust of championship football as well. I thought uh, the handling from both teams was very good in the conditions. I know there was an odd mistake here and there, but um, kept possession well. And uh, as I said, Donegal just with that wee bit more more clinical when it come down to it. The, you know, Thompson hit hit five frees and he, he put them all over. Tyrone, you know, Tyrone's all but two of their scores come from play. Um, we missed a couple of chances as, as I highlighted. Um, it wouldn't have took an awful lot for Tyrone to be in the looking forward to the semi final against Armagh and, and uh, going forward, it would, it would definitely have have the um, you know this team to to take the next step. But I think it, I think there's a lot of positives for Tyrone going forward. Obviously, look, major disappointment to lose yesterday, but this is a good Donegal team. Um, they were playing in their own backyard. Um, you know. Ter- Nobody, you know, Tyrone haven't managed to win three Ulster seniors in a row. Uh, and Donegal now will be short, short price favourites to win win a third in a row for the first time. So they're really, really up against it. You'd have to say, you know, probably the top two teams in Ulster went head to head yesterday and, and one of them was going to bite the dust. And unfortunately, from our point of view, it was Tyrone. But I think I think going forward, um, there's a lot of positives. And um, I think we can take a lot out of yesterday, even though we were beaten. But I think the future is break, Noah. Damien, uh, last question on, on yesterday's performance. Uh, that that kick out that we talked about earlier, Sean Patton's a brilliant drive. Uh, imagine Colin Kavanagh standing down there in that position uh, and that big frame of his, that big long arm that seems to reach to the sky so many times. Whether we had Colin Kavanagh in the middle of the field yesterday, I think the outcome would have been totally different. Well, there's every reason to think he would be, he'd have been where he needed to be. Let's put it like that. And uh, when Lang, Langan come in on that angle there, you know, it's there's every chance that he would have been it would have it would have been, he'd have been stopped. Let's put it like that, some shape or form. But look, that's you know, Colin Gavin made his decision a number of weeks back. Um, Throne had the team out there; they were very, very close to you know to achieving what they wanted to achieve. Um, it didn't work out, and Kevin said, "Look, two good teams probably are in the top five in the, in the country, but something had to give yesterday." And from, as he says, unfortunately, it was thrown on, on this occasion. Um, but you know, another day, another venue, another game. You know, you never know. Thrown could thrown could overcome them. Yeah, yeah. Mal, three. Don't go around the verge of winning three Ulster titles back to back in modern times. You know. It's not easy to win one. It's some blooming achievement to win three if they manage to do it. And as Kevin says, they definitely are, you know, they're in the right position for it now. And it's very hard to, you know, from, from watching Armagh and from watching, you know, a good wee bit of the, you know, the Tyrone Donegal game, I can't see Armagh turning them over, to be honest. And as you said, it'd be a massive. It would be a massive achievement and it would put them well and truly, you know, in the as the top dogs in Ulster, you know. And I know from, from Derry's point of view, we're trying to 
break into that bracket, but they got a bracket of their own that everybody else is going to try and catch them. And you know, they had a couple of decent minor teams around the time Derry were were going well there, and they're all through. You know, they're all through playing. Like you spoke about Michael Langham there. What Derry wouldn't do for a Michael Lang at the minute, somebody to stand at wing forward and kick outs on top of, you know, long kick outs. Like they've so much variation. Um, and if they do one three in a row, the rest of Ulster is just going to have to be, you know, trying to play catch up. And like you were talking about what where Tyrone goes from here. Like, you know, as an outsider looking into Tyrone, you're thinking to yourself, you can say what you want about Conor McKenna, how he played on Sunday and the conditions, what way he was marked and all those things. But a wee bit like what Rory said about Conor last, judge him next year. If you were Mickey Hart or whoever takes over from Mickey Hart, whatever, whatever happens in 2021, give Conor McKenna the number 11 jersey and build a proper forward lane around him, not just one man up and a token forward. Build a forward lane around him, and because that sort of counter-attacking game is only going to take you so far. If you're going to try and, you know, like Throne's target will be the one in All Ireland. You know, let's face it. That that's a sort of like even Sean Cavan on the telly last night talking about All Irelands. If they're going to do that, they're going to have to completely change the way that they their team to a certain extent, because when you have like you know, like you didn't even mention Lee Brennan there, for example. When you've all those options, you're going to have to use them. And but Connor McKenna, for me, has to be the fulcrum. Like the pass he gave to Dara Canavan was one thing, but when he when he made that chip lift for the second goal, just that instinct, you know, it's just great to see that. And you touched on Colin Kavanagh. You're just going to have to find a new Colin Kavanagh. You know, because to guard against that kick out, but Tyrone going forward, I definitely think um, you know, if, if you were if you're a Tyrone man, you would want to build a completely new team. And uh, and when you have something like that, like he's built a team around Brian Wigan. You know, I know he's slightly different than Connor McKenna, but you know, he's some he's somebody that you could, you know, it would change everything, you know. And then if you are boys would argue and then you've got machine. Yeah, you know, if you are other boys and arguing that team, they built a team around uh, Owen Mulligan or Stephen O'Neill or or Peter Canova at that stage as well. Well, so there was one or two, but I was thinking even yesterday from look, even the Derry game from your perspective, Ryan O'Neill going into that game was a huge danger for for Derry. And in fairness, Chrissy McKeag took care of him, didn't he? He did. He did really well on him. To be fair, um, the only thing was he sort of lost. You know, you lost him going forward. Um, like I'm thinking back to the days that Christie played against Dermot Connolly in an All Ireland Club semi final, which was one of the best performances I've ever seen of anybody. That you could mark somebody so pivotal, but completely run the game yourself. Derry lost that yesterday, I thought. But a wee bit like you said, Kevin, if you're driving to a game and somebody tells you Rain O'Neill is going to be quiet, you're thinking that's one of the jobs done. Um, I, I actually worried about him. I thought Armagh would have played him closer to goal, you know, but Armagh's biggest sort of thing they had going for them 
And, you know, I touched on it earlier on about Derry not getting any contact for the first four scores. To be fair to Armagh, the rotation of their forward lane was excellent. You know, and if you don't see it on telly, but when you're at it, like Oshin O'Neill was full forward, then it was Jamie Clark, you know, Grugan was in there. And to be honest, they pulled Derry all over the place because Derry had decent defenders. But the last thing a defender wants to be is somewhere way outside, out on the wing, away from where you're supposed to be. And, you know, Kieran McGinney, in a way, had Derry sort of chasing them. You know, and that, that's probably the most frustrating thing out of yesterday's game is that, you know, looking back to that first 10 minutes where it probably, it's probably gone at that stage, you know. Well, come here, Malcolm. I just, I just a point I wanted to make there when you talked about leaving players up and so on. Um, it was amazing yesterday, and, and, and Kevin and I talked about this the last day, uh, the number of times that uh, Donegal had 15 players back inside their own 45-meter line, particularly in the first half when they're playing with the wind, and they weren't leaving anybody up. You know, they pulled everybody back. And, and this idea, there's a, there's a misconception out there, and I'm not saying that you as a dairyman are totally blind to it because it's Jerome, but there's a misconception among people that Tyrone play this dire defensive football. That is not the case. And I mean, in defence of, of, of how Tyrone set up, they do keep players up and they do back at pace. It may not be uh, as, as fast and, and, and as productive as other teams, but the bottom line is this. You play the hand you're dealt and Tyrone <coughs> have a And uh, they don't have Brian McGuigan, they don't have a Stephen Reed, they don't have an Owen Mulligan, they most certainly don't have a Peter Callum. But they do have five or six very, very useful forwards who have been nurtured and uh, I think eventually will, will form a very, very decent forward line. I mean, those five guys that you mentioned earlier, and Kevin add Connor Miller to that for the work rate and, and, and that, I think we'll not be that far away. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. That's, you know, but that's the sort of short-term plan for next year that you'd be looking forward to. You know, if you're a true person, you'd be looking forward to that. Well, we'll, we'll Kevin, the... the uh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's... When you think about it too, look, at the end of the day, you know, it was class of two heavyweights yesterday. And as I say, somebody was going to have to go. The season was over. But, you know, in, in our years, when there was a backdoor and things like that, you know, Tyrone have always regrouped and they've always, you know, the last number of years has been the last team from Ulster standing. Fair enough, the Ulster Championship this last two or three years maybe hasn't went their way. But, you know, Tyrone can still, on the big days when it comes to, Getting to all Ireland semi-finals and finals, they can they can match anybody, but it's just um, it's just finding them are a couple of players that definitely have found two or three this year, and I think I think as as the um, the age profile of that team, if they can get now two or three fresh faces into that squad, uh, there's definitely huge potential there. As I say, Donegal, Donegal are the kings of, of the Ulster Championship at the minute. There's no denying that. I say I think they're going to win three in a row, but. Um, that's not to say that you know. Come next year, next year's a different year again, and, and you know, Tyrone will be out fighting. They have their their Division One status, which is which is vital because you know when you bring the next economy Canada coming back there, and, and Dara Canada will come into the team, and whoever else is going to come into the team, you know, you're only going to learn playing against the the Dublins and the the Galways and the Kerrys of this world, and uh, you know, we just have to we have to have to take it hit this time and, and look forward to next year again. Yeah, Damien, what Kevin just mentioned there, considering 
the resources of Mickey Hart has had at his disposal over the last number of years without the quality that absolute shine and light that we had back in the in the early years of, of this uh, this century. I mean, when you think of that, have we punched above our weight really and have thrown people been somewhat spoiled by the success of the team? Well, I think, you know, a lot of the commentary <laughs> around players, you know, making making the county level, there's been a lot of that going on over the last way. Like you can see it's all over social media, but what about such and such hasn't made the county team and you know the county champions don't have anybody on and um like they Chris Ravery would say to you, well we were delighted about that the fact you know because we have all our players and we need them all and we can walk away with them um that you just don't become a county player you just don't pluck out a, a good club player and stick them into the county stage and they'll be that good straight away you have to be something really exceptional to be like that you need a you need to have your work done let's put it like that and you probably need a season then with a senior team just to get the to get that to get that bulk on and to get that work done to, to be playing at the level. Um and that doesn't that just does not happen overnight. There is an argument that there's more creativity needed, but every team's looking for that. You know, every every forward lane in the country is looking for this magic formula up front that's gonna turn, you know, a 40% return into a 60% return every time you you attack and that you know that X factor in terms of someone watching somebody getting a ball, and you're thinking this is going to be this is going to be danger here now. Um, everybody's looking for that. Um, that doesn't come overnight. There are players that possibly could be tried again next year. There's systems of play, I'm sure that the, the whole country's talking about. They think you know I could do a job, and you know any you know doing doing better. But you don't know the ins and outs of preparing a team and what it takes to put the put it on the stage. Mickey Hart has his critics, and I'm sure over the next while there'll be plenty more will have their opinion. But you know, who is stepping forward and saying, putting their hand up and saying, I want to crack at this? Because unless somebody does, you know, the default position is with a man that's delivered so far. So let's see who let's see who steps steps forward and says, you know, I'm interested in this, you know. Um and we haven't really spoken about managers very much tonight. And you know, we know he's been around forever. And say, I don't know what's the story with Bonte. What's what you know? Is he going to stay on next year? <laughs> well, I was going to come before. Before I have to say uh, what, what what hasn't surprised me, but uh, I met a guy, Donny Goldman, today, and uh, this mate. Well, is Mickey Hart going to go? And my answer to him was, uh, "It'll be a decision for Mickey Hart, no doubt." But tell me this: I said, I lost yesterday. Will he have gone?" He said, He'd be going for it. And I said, well, there's my answer to you. And that's exactly the same thing as Mickey Hart. Mal, as an outsider looking in, how do you see the, the, the Tyrone management setup? Are, are, are you envious of it, considering that you have such a high-profile manager yourselves presently? And, of course, from a club point of view, you have a, a, an insight into how the, the mindset of the Tyrone management works. Yeah, well, I know the Sunil people are very... You know, some of the players are very happy with Horse. Um, I think his training went down really well. Um, I chatted to him after a couple of games, and he just seems like a real warm character. You know, he's one of them people you couldn't not like. You know, and he just fitted into our setup like a glove. Um, and him and Paul Bradley were very friendly. They seemed to they seemed to bounce off each other. So, and the management setup, you're going to need that. Um, but it, it is a big question. Does Mickey stay? Does he not? 
you know, in Tyrone, is it a county board decision? Is it not? You know, uh, do the players feel, look, we need a change here? You know, who makes the call? And when you've won three Ireland's as a manager, and I suppose have given so much to Tyrone, it's hard to walk away. But the problem is, the longer you stay, the harder it is to walk away. You know, it gets to stage where if Mickey Hart had won Ulster this year, do you make a call, right? I'm, I'm, that's me, I'm gone. We won an Ulster title. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of Tyrone, but you would say that after 18 years, and it's, it's not personally against anybody, like even, you know, Sean Boylan when he was there for so long in Meath, you know, Fergie, Man United, it gets to the stage where you have to realise we need to investigate, is this working? Is everybody happy with it? Are the players happy with it? Are the clubs happy with it? And if they are, well then, why would you change? But if the clubs of Tyrone and the players of Tyrone and the sort of the people in the know feeling they need to change, well then, it has to be something that has to be looked at, the same as any other county. But, um, and I suppose it's a difficult thing with any management thing. It always creeps up when you're beat. You know, rarely, you know, did somebody say to you in a, in a press interview after an All-Ireland final, well, Jim Gavin, are you back next year? You know, the discussion never happens. So yeah. it always happens after defeat, which is difficult, and it's always raw. So like any sort of situation, Mickey will have to go in and think, you know, the people of Tyrone have to go in and think and find out, you know, what's best for Tyrone, because... It sounds, from listening to you boys who are well connected to thing, it sounds as if there is a new sort of dawn of players coming. So it's whether the county of Tyrone feels that they need a new face to lead it. And if 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 all the people involved feel they need a new face, well then it's maybe something that'll have to be looked at. But the most important people in that discussion are the people that are closely affected by it. So they're going to have to make the call you know, clubs and, and, and that type of thing. Yeah, well, interesting thing. I uh, read one or two bits and pieces on newspapers and websites and, uh, and social media today. And the guys who were expressing their opinions and views, first of all, very few of them have ever been thrown, is the first thing. And secondly, uh, I, was, I was searching for managerial records, and very few of them have ever managed teams either. But um, listen, whenever, uh, whenever he decides to go, well, we'll have him on again and... and uh, We'll have a chat and see how it goes. Before we wrap, wrap things up, Mal, uh, do you have on your club crest in Irish, Slack Neil, more than just a club as Barcelona have? No, but it's there sort of is a there's no unity, there's no strength rate unity motto, but there's no there's no Barca type thing. Well, listen, you may you may you may not have the flair and, and so on. But listen, what, what your club is, 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 if you ever wanted to, to get something that exemplifies what unity, community is, surely Slack Neil is, is, is the, the one to look for. Here, it is an amazing place, to be honest. And whenever the success began to come, I was our PRO at the time, and the amount of people were just coming up and asking you, you know, what is the secret? But it's just... It's just so many different things, you know. You have the rural area, which which obviously kicks into the thing as well. But 
a lot of good players coming through at the same time. And the fact that all three codes treated with importance. And I think that's one of the most important things. There was a there was a there was a thing that happened one Sunday morning in San Neil where the Camogues would always train on a Sunday. That was their day to have the pitch. But under Mickey Moore and the footballers had a draw. So they had to train on a Sunday to suit the schedule. And they turned up one morning and they had the cones out and thought nothing of it. And the Camogues landed about 10 or 15 minutes later. And uh, it was the Camogie day. But a stranger happened to be at the pitch that day for an under-14 game. And they couldn't believe that Mickey Moran just literally gathered up his cones and went to the training pitch. And they says to somebody, you know, why, why did that happen? And they says, well, that was a Camogie day. And they says, well, what about the senior footballers? And they says, no, but that's not the way. So he just literally gathered the stuff and left. And, and, you know, there was no confrontation. And it's a small thing, but that's the only way it works. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people are saying, you know, how does the football in Hurling work? Would you not pack? Would you not park one for a year? You know, would you want an All Ireland club if you had to cut your hurling sticks up for a year? Would you want the hurling if you had to forgot about football for a year? But how do you say to somebody like Jared Bradley or Chrissy McCaig, you can only play one? It just it just doesn't happen. But it's a really unique place to be fair and. Um, it's probably a bit of a regret that they didn't win all Ireland today against Dr. Crooks. You know, that's always going to be a regret. But I would say that we achieved a lot. You know, when you think that we won the football championship in 2004 and spent the next 10 years being beaten by a point in hard luck stories, and then to like to win like three Ulster titles is it's amazing. I used to watch TG Cahar and watch teams playing and thinking, well, how good would it be for your club to be in TG Cahar? Because it means you're playing in Ulster. And, you know, just, it was amazing. And that's the thing about it. The club championship is so, so special. Um, and I think it can't, it can't be diluted by the county. You know, I, I think the county has to find a place for it properly. And the split season, like you're talking about more than a club with, with Stanley about how important it is. But I think the split season would help a lot of clubs and a lot of counties, to be fair. You know, Kevin, we this year, Kevin, that the, uh, once the championship was, the club championship, particularly the club league, the way it was run this year, there was no doubt about it. That the quality of football was much better. Clubs were much happier. And there was just a, 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 better, a better sense of, of participation and commitment then within the county. Yeah, well, we've been talking about that for a long time on this show, Noel, about the the need. Um, you know, the powers that be at Crow Park or wherever they are have had a number of months there when there was no no action to to get this sorted out. And I think I think it has to be the case going from next year on that um, there has to be a split season. I think. Well, they want to do it. You know, there was talk there, and Mal mentioned there, but Scott need a few, couple of years. We'll get the All Ireland Club final. You know, they want to play the they want to play the county and the, the provincial and the All Ireland series all in one calendar year. Now it's the time to go and get it sorted out. Um, talking to a former 
teammate of your own today, no former throne player and Gannon, and he said, you know, same thing. You know, the Super 8s this last couple of years have, have been have been good for the GEA, but um, you know, in Tyrone there up until you know, the last two years, not counting this year, um, you know, we maybe ten league games played by the end of June, and then you know, you want young lads, children, lads or lassies want to be playing football or hurling or camogie, whatever it is, and in July and August, and there's nothing for them. And how do you keep how do you keep them people happy? How do you keep them involved in the club? Uh, so I think you know it has to come to a stage where if it's going to be county first, there's no reason why a county season can't be read up by by the end of June, and and start the club season in July and um, run through your you know the way it was done there in the laptop. You know, there's matches every week. Play your leagues off, play your championship off, go into your provincials, play your all Ireland series, all get it done before the before the start of December. It can be done. It showed it can be done. And there's no reason why um, you know, at the tail end of the county season, if it's if it's May, June, there's no reason why club activities, you can't be playing minor football, minor hurling, under 21 football in them months as well, because there's no overlap of county players. And then when, when the when the club season starts, it's it's um, it's full throttle. And I think if they don't do that, it's showdown to own the year, the, the quality of football and the fact that all the county players would tell you how much they loved. You know yourself, Noel, from a from a former Tyrone or county player point of view. You know you can play the first four or five games of the season with with your teammates, and then you're away with the county, and then you're expected just to come slap back in on a Sunday. You know, having not maybe trained the lad for three or four weeks, it, it just doesn't work. It's not it's not fit for purpose. And I think, as I say, the powers would be you've had enough time to think about it, and, and hopefully they'll make the right decision from next year on. Yeah, there's no doubt. Maybe talking about the to be there. Like, there's two, there's two big things that I think the GA, the two biggest decisions the GA have made in terms of club. One of them was Sean Kelly's presidency when he brought in the All Ireland Intermediate and Junior. Um, I thought it's the best decision the GA have ever made. Doesn't matter what size your club is, you could. If you won your team, agree completely. Agree completely. You're agree. potentially four games away from Croke Park. It doesn't matter what grade you are. But the flip side of it is this new decision they've made to change the age grades away has been the worst decision they've ever made. You know, it's just I don't know what's worse: the fact that people have suggested it, or the fact that it's actually got to a, a motion, like motion. That a watery motion that actually got through, you know, and that to me is the best and the worst of the GA and two rules. And the sad thing about it is that this has been allowed to happen. You know, I just don't see the benefit of it. And the only reason why it seems to be being brought in is because it means that if you've an under 17 player, you can play under 17 and senior in the same night to avoid fixture congestion and potentially to help the leaving certs. But like A-level students are doing exams. I just think it's I just think it's it's wrong. And whenever you see the GA can make such a good decision to suit clubs, this one here is I, I just don't know to be honest. Nah. I don't I don't know what your own people think about it, but it's just not gonna work. Uh, well, uh, we, 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 uh, doesn't the decision and the, the, the 
speaking of a number of, of guys who are involved in underage uh, teams in Toronto, and they're 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 what's the end about it? There's a complete uh, it's a complete heartache to be honest with you. You've you've lad basically coming out of under 17s and there's no route to actually make the senior team. You know, you're once you're over age, you know, you're 17, you, you fall on the wrong birthday at 17 years of age. You're you're gone on, uh, until such times as you make a senior team. And the days of coming out of at 17 years of age and going straight onto your senior team is, you know, there those days are gone because you you would not you cannot compete at that level anymore. You're you're too frail. You're not built up. You're not ready for it. And we're going to lose more and more and more players uh, until this is sorted out. And they say, well, she can bring in an under 19 competition. That's fine. What what happens? To the lads heading off to university and you know they're gone. You're, you know, first September they're out the door. Um, so where do you play it? Where do you play an under nineteen competition in the middle of everything else? It's a it's it has been a mess, and it, it's going to have to, you know, it's going to be brought into rule this February, and that'll be it. And, and you know, I think it really has. It's going to hurt our games, but there's an elitism coming here that is that needs to be addressed, and uh, I think they've forgotten about the about the clubs. Uh, you know, and you see that report. They brought out a report that actually this is all stemmed from, and it's actually a really good report. There's a lot of great stuff on it, yeah. apart from the fact that it's not 12, 14, 16, 18. Yeah. And like, Kevin, you cover, well, so you's all do, you cover a lot of school sport. You, you, you're talking to a lot of people who, at the cool face of this thing, it's just not going to work. You know, well, even, even, the county minors, even the county minors change into under 17 was a, was a ridiculous idea. Yeah, we spoke to Paul Hughes last year, and he he was one of the guys that actually just said, "Look, they're attempting to move the the Macquarie Cup competition into you know a couple of months and getting it out of the road." That's it just that seems to be the attitude. It's just to move. It's just it's, it's, to, it's to create more space for the for the elite games. That's it. That's it. Well, unfortunately, Mal, we've run out of time, but uh, as generally happens on a Monday night, and uh, it was great that you joined us tonight. By the way, I meant to mention. Uh, Unfortunately, it wasn't a good weekend for throwing all around. Our ladies footballers suffered a heavy defeat on uh, Friday night against a very talented Armagh side. Our hurlers were well beaten by Mayo on Saturday mm-hmm. and our team up short. Senior footballers came up short. But in spite of that, the GA being the GA gets us plenty to discuss, plenty to fall out about and plenty to debate. So, Mal, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, all being well, we wish you every success in the McKenna Cup. We look forward to uh, meeting up with you over that, no doubt. And uh, to Damien and to Kevin, uh, we will. Oh, by the way, we have two shows this week because we're going Thursday night as well. We'll be interviewing young Sean Warnock uh, from uh, Australia, from down under. Kevin Kelly is going to be suspiciously there. A lot to do. Anyway, folks, from the the LCC Monday night show from TTM. All the best. We'll chat to you later on. <laughs>